live from the ESPN 690 and the Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, it's the first show for the back of the pickup truck for 2022. It won't be the last, I guarantee you that. I'll wait till you see the summer travels. Hey, you know, that's what happens when the kids play ball all over the place. Today at Creekside High School, that double dip. Both the kids playing at the same time. And by the way, it's not a bad backdrop because Creekside Knights girls soccer team played for a state championship. They'll kick off in about an hour. And oh, wow, do we have some good news for the city of Jacksonville. If you like high school sports, if you like good stories, uh, we do. We love it. And uh, pretty cool stuff just transpired. The Fletcher girls soccer team just won a state championship. Very significant, by the way, for the Lady Senators as they win one to nothing over Lords, and uh, they were tremendous in goal. They got the one goal they needed in the second half, and they win a state championship. And the significance is this: it's the first state title in girls or boys soccer ever in Duval County, ever. Remember a few years back when Reigns won a title and they hadn't won Duval County hadn't won a public school football championship. Uh, since Reigns had done it in the late 90s, has a little bit of that kind of feel, some significance for sure by the beach, uh, and congratulations to them. Maybe we can uh, hear from a coach or a player before we end the show today at 6 o'clock. Got to love soccer in this area. I mean, listen, I'm not locked into the soccer scene, but we obviously know a lot of folks in the area who are, and look no further than St. John's Country Day is one of the premier soccer programs, I think you could say, in the country. They won 11 straight state championships they won Wednesday night. Now you get Fletcher winning in 6A. And this afternoon, if Creekside can pull it off, it would be the third consecutive state championship in St. John's County for Class 7A, really on one street, Longleaf Pine Parkway. Bartram won the last two years. Creekside's trying to make it three in a row for this area in the highest classification in girls' soccer in the state. So good for them. Very cool. Uh, I know we don't talk a ton of soccer on the on the program, but uh, what a nice day and a neat week here in the Jacksonville area and Northeast Florida for girls' soccer especially. And by the way, we had a lot of boys' soccer teams make uh, pretty deep into the Final Four, just none to the championship game. I think a handful of them, and they all lost in the Final Four. So on the boys' side, very good as well. Congratulations to Fletcher, everybody associated with the program, everybody that grew up playing soccer out by the beach. I think it's a pretty prideful moment uh, for all of them. Very, very cool. Uh, love it. Love it on the local scene to see that and uh, something to put your arms around here in Jacksonville uh, with a one nothing win for the Fletcher Senators in girls high school soccer. They are state champions. Brent Martineau here. Casey Kurtz back in the studio. Uh, I miss you, Casey. Hardly have seen you this week, by the way. Yeah, I know. I don't think I'm going to see you next week either. Or And then I'm out, so, you know, maybe I'll catch you at some point in March. Yeah, that's cool. We can st- keep texting. That's fine. Yeah, it works um, for me. I see you got the Lizard Kings jersey already, huh? Oh, you better believe it. Rock and roll. Those things are stylish. <laughs> I tell you what, it's going to be a popular night tomorrow. We'll talk a little Jacksonville Iceman, who also are very hot. They played tonight. They've won six in a row again. It's like the second big streak for them this year. Very good team this year for the Jacksonville Icemen, and they have, like, Lizard Kings night tomorrow, which always brings up some good memories for the folks in Jacksonville. That's before my time. 
But you don't have to say Lizard Kings very much to get a pretty good response here in the city of Jacksonville uh, around the former hockey team in the area. So they'll be wearing those jerseys. And I think they usually uh, will auction them off as well. So Alex Reed will join us at the 4 o'clock hour talk a little bit more about that. Where's Austin Lane, you ask? Well, he's been out the last few days. He's now in Dallas, Texas. He's getting ready for a big fight on Sunday. Uh, and uh, it's a massive fight for him. He's really been climbing the ladder. Austin uh, has been winning the last uh, few to handful of fights, and uh, this will be a big one on Sunday night in Dallas. We'll tell you all about it. Austin actually will join us from Dallas. Weigh-ins not until tomorrow, uh, so he has landed in the Big D, and we will uh, talk to Austin coming up in the 5 o'clock hour today as well. Hey, yesterday we did uh, random tweets, Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe it was two days ago, and so today I'm scrolling through it. I'm like, all right, what's on the timeline today, right? We're in a football-heavy world. We, we love football in Jacksonville. We love football in Northeast Florida. We talk a lot of football here on the show. Yep. Well, it's a little bit of, bit of a lull right now. I mean, people aren't, you know, franchise tagging everyone, even though they could. We're on the verge of the combine next week in Indianapolis. And... Uh, the Jags have the number one overall pick. They hired a coach. They're getting through all those things. We talked about the front office. That's still not set. Uh, we'll talk with Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke next week at the Combine. So there's a little bit of this calm. I mean, you can only have so many Aaron Rodgers rumors, right? <laughs> you that's know, true. In a news cycle. And that's carried some freight as well. So we're looking, th- and we're like, uh, I was talking to Casey earlier. I was like, what's the big story in the NFL today? Give it to us, Casey. What's the big story today in the NFL? Yeah, it looks like... Uh Big-time impending free agent Ian Thomas, uh, tight end monster for the Carolina Panthers, uh, will not end up hitting free agency, signs a three-year deal to return to Carolina. <laughs> that's what we got. That's the biggest thing we have in the NFL today? That's, that's What's what we his got. name again, Ian Thomas? I think I'm going to double-check. Do you have him on your fantasy team? I don't think anybody ever has. No offense, Ian, bro. I'm sure you're a baller in your own right, but I don't. no, I don't think he's a fantasy weapon at this point. Wow, I'm just looking at the feed, by the way, and you have me in, in, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. There's a lot of Brent right there on that screen. You know, there really uh, is. I know. mean, <laughs> it's a lot of Brent going on. So uh, I apologize for that if you're watching. Maybe you should just listen to the feed instead. So Ian Thomas is the biggest news of the day in the NFL. Are you sure we don't have anything else going on? Like, there can't be anything. Can we make up a game? I was trying to make up a game. Like, I thought about it earlier. That's... Uh, the. There's not a lot of games to make up unless we want to do a quarterback carousel, but I feel like we got to save that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, like, we need a football game. <laughs> like, we, we take can, – can the USFL play today? <laughs> oh, know? we should break down the draft. <laughs> yes. Um, the USFL draft. Yeah, I, I, I will say there are, we do have some thoughts today on the USFL and the NFL and the AFL, and it's going to come into play a, a little bit later on the show when we talk about golf. And I want you to think about this out there, folks, if you're hanging with us for a little bit later. But what's going on in golf right now is there's this idea that the the Saudi League could be a thing. That's the whole Greg Norman spat with the PGA Tour. There was there was Mickelson, and right now he's got himself in trouble and losing money and sponsorships because of it. Uh, there was talk of DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy spoken out about, uh, against it. And right now it looks like, hey, PGA Tour is a thing. Greg Norman's saying it's not over. But we'll, and we'll get into some of that. Uh, and, but the thing I think was in, is interesting is when was the last time there was a league that threatened a like a big time league that we know? And USFL might 
you might have to go back to the USFL. There are other examples. There's the AFL, there's the ABA. We'll get into it. But think about it a little bit. And when was the last time? I mean, these spring leagues haven't really threatened. Even if they wanted to try to, uh, they were never going to threaten, at least in the early stages. Uh, the World League, if you go back to that, was uh, kind of a, in conjunction with the NFL. So, uh, interesting thought, at least uh, from that respect, uh, coming up a little bit later on in the show. So, on the horizon, though, Casey, is the NFL Combine. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a boring event on a lot of different levels, if I'm being completely honest. Yet, we go anyway because there's value in us being there. I don't know there if there's, in my world, I, I do TV and obviously on the radio. I think there's better radio content, quite frankly, than TV content. Uh, now, if we're talking to the Jags, that lives in both spaces. But I, it's just not a good TV event. And it's kept us from going for a long time to the Combine. And then we finally did, did go and I enjoyed it. I, thought there, I found value in it. Again, it's not, it's not like there's zero value in the TV part. But it goes on for a long time. And so what we do is go in and out. You know, we'll just be there for a couple of days. We get what we need from the Jags. And, uh, and, and that's it. So I... I just wonder from a viewer standpoint, you're a football guru standpoint, are you locking into the NFL combine? Are you watching that for hours a day? Uh, I I would set the over-under for me watching the combine at 11 minutes. Really? The entire time, yeah. See, I, that says a lot, though. Like, you're a, football, you're a sports junkie. Yeah. And... I think that's, that speaks volumes. Like, people will watch three rounds of the draft, and let's be honest, day three of the draft is pretty boring. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there's, there's not a lot to be excited about. They've made Thursday and even Friday to a degree, Thursday especially, into a, a really cool night. But Saturday, you've got to be a diehard now. You've got to be a real – and there are draft junkies, you know, and, and people do like that stuff. So that's cool. But they don't come out in masses. I guess this is appealing to – the, the junkie, the draft junkie, right? The fifth round, sixth round uh, guy. But I just, yeah, there's not a lot of appeal in, in the combine. It's not a made-for-TV event, which is weird, right? Because the NFL has so many things in its, in its cycle, in its news cycle, that really do well on TV. But the NFL combine is not one of them. Now, NFL talk, NFL rumors, NFL coaches, NFL people, NFL interviews, all those things are taking place that week. So the NFL stays top of mind. It's in the cycle. But it certainly is not a made-for-TV event. No. I Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And to your point, like, you, like, I love the draft. I think I've said this before to you, maybe not. Like, I'll watch the draft from front to back the whole thing. Like, I just love it. It's my favorite holiday. I love it more than my birthday. I don't know why. Just love it. But for the Combine, for me, it's like you can only watch so much – of running sprints and doing the, the workouts and stuff. I mean, I'm interested in the quarterbacks throwing. That's probably my 11 minutes that I'll be watching. But, like, when it's on, the coverage times are Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm going to watch Arnold Palmer. I'm going to watch hockey at night. Like, I just – it does nothing for me to watch guys do sprints. Like, it's just I can't do it. Yeah, I, I feel you. I hear you. I, I don't – I think it's a valuable part of the process. You know me. I said it. It's the, it's the medicals. It's the interviews more than anything else. We'll be there next week, though. <laughs> it's like I'm not trying to, like, dismiss the combine, by the way. Like, uh, and I think it, you'd, you'd find it more dismissive from me if I was like, well, that's why we don't go to it. Well, we actually do go to it. Like, there's value in it. It's just I think it's just a unique event where it's going to get talked about a lot because it is my, my, what I set this up with is Ian Thomas is the big story in the NFL today. Right. Yeah. And we have become so used to on a daily basis, not just in Jacksonville, across the country in our sports culture of the NFL being a story. 
You know, I mean, there are shows year-round, a good morning football. Like, we're so used to that. And so this will be a talking point because we starve for it almost, at least a little bit, even if it's not much. Uh, but that comes on the heels of a week that's been very quiet uh, in the NFL and really the last couple of weeks coming off the Super Bowl and uh, and such. Brent Martineau here at uh, Creekside High School. Uh, first show of 22 from the back of the pickup truck. We'll do many more. It will be a lot hotter for me over the year, over the uh, rest of the year. In the summer in like Alabama or Atlanta. Yeah, you're rocking long sleeves really right now. Hot. Yeah, it's very light though. It's, uh, it's I like it by the way. Pretty light. Yeah, you like the the, the golf shirt? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like this too. I got to got to be on a certain yeah. weight level to be able to get into this shirt. Well, that's fair. Tell it's you like what. Two or three pounds make a difference. That is true. Yeah, they make a difference. So, um, hey, I have a real serious topic. Uh, w- wartime in sports. Okay. You could go way back and study this, and that's not the intent of this. But I do find it interesting that obviously the number one story right now is Russia invading Ukraine. And I am not uh, an expert on any of this, by the way. I've had to look up stuff as well. I really stay out of the political world. Um, and I understand there's going to be that element. So uh, at least for this, the reason I bring this up has zero to do with what's going on from a political standpoint, um, inflation standpoint, any of that. But I do find it interesting on two fronts. And, and I don't know if you're paying attention. To, uh, first of all, we should pay attention to it. And I want to pay. I am paying attention to more of it uh, because it's awful what's going on right now in Ukraine just from the videos you see and the testimonies you see and everything else. So, I mean, wartime is awful, right, in, in so many respects. Uh, and I think we're going to see this war, if you will, play out in a very – in a way we've never seen it before. Like, we're already seeing videos of, like, planes shot down and missiles yeah. flying through the sky. And I know we've seen some of that in the past, but, I mean, that is like – it's like we live our life sometimes in a movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's really weird. It's, it's, it just doesn't feel real sometimes, but the reality is it is. Um, and so that part of it's pretty striking. I, you know, obviously there's there's the Afghanistan and everything after 9-11. Before that, it was the Persian Gulf. Um, I mean, and then you can keep going back, and you're a young guy, Casey. But I do think because of social media and phones and everything else, the ability to see things, like, instantaneously, like, this is going to be, first of all, not an overnight story. It doesn't change that quickly. And secondly, it's going to be a tough watch at times because we're going to see things that we didn't ask to see. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think the other night when this all started, obviously it's there's been a build to this that I was, I'm not going to say unaware of, but not to this level. But, like, to your, your point, the other night, like, I was locked in until, like, 3 in the morning when stuff started happening. And then for the last couple of days I've been on social media. So it's just... It's crazy to see these things happening, and obviously you mentioned 9-11 there. I was like four or five, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I remember that vividly. But this is one like one of those first times where I feel like I'm living through an actual world national event, and I think it's interesting to see it play out on social media, and obviously it's horrible, but for... I think people my age, the value of having social media and seeing it makes it feel real to the point where if you just see it on the news at my age, like, oh, okay, like, 
it's happening, but it doesn't feel real. But on social media, it's everywhere, and you're seeing these videos that are just horrible, and I think it puts it into perspective for people my age that may not usually pay attention to stuff like this. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's going to put things into perspective for a lot of people that are not used to that and and i've seen it in movies and read about it in history books and um i think that's going to be the case uh, just a heads up casey you should uh, i think my battery ran out so i got you back side it should pop up put back up in a minute um the other thing uh, about this wartime with russia and ukraine is that sports is playing is going to play a role or at least be impacted i, I don't really know the right way to word it but there's already cancels, cancellations, right, of mm -hmm. events uh, from soccer to, I think, Formula One. Yes, correct. Both and of so, those have had, had to move events and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, or because, one, because of they disagree with what's going on with Russia, right? We're seeing a lot of that mm -hmm. uh, going on even in the United States. I think I saw, uh, shoot, I just saw something um, like vodka was pulled off, the Russian vodka or something was pulled off the shelf yeah. in, in some states already. Uh, so everybody kind of protesting in their own way. And then, of course, there is a safety part of it, too, that has some of these big sporting events. And, again, Formula One, one of them, a uh, big soccer event as well, that is being moved out of Russia. And uh, so, I mean, we're going to see, like, I guess those two worlds collide a little bit, right? I mean, wartime and sports, where that we have seen in the past and that we are familiar with. And we are familiar with it with the storylines of people like Ted Williams losing years off his Major League Baseball career to go be a fighter yeah. jet pilot, right, and and help out in the war. So uh, I find that interesting. Again, I'm not an expert on what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, but I do think the, 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 the world um, of sport and, well, what's actually happening in the world is, is a pretty interesting tie-in right now. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I think when you look at sports like Formula One, like we mentioned, the Champions League final will be moved out of Russia. Um, that was announced. And when you look at sports like tennis, racing, soccer there, it's incredibly international. So you have Russian and Ukrainian athletes that have a stance on this. And I think most recently, well, it's all obviously very recent, but one of the professional teams in Russia for soccer was supposed to play in a Europa League uh, game, and one of their better starting center backs is a Ukrainian player. So it's kind of like, does, if, you're, if you're that player, do you go out there and play for a Russian team that you're employed for, or do you take a stand and not play? So I think even something as small as that will have huge ramifications for how both countries look at how sports will impact the war. Well, and then one last one, and really the reason I brought this up, that kind of, I was going to bring it up yesterday, but then I thought, wow, I mean, th this story out of Ukraine where both Vitaly and Vladimir Klitschko, boxing legends, really, right, mm -hmm. over there, made millions uh, in the heavyweight boxing world. Uh, I guess they are sons of uh, a, a general in the old Soviet Air Force, and they have vowed to fight for Ukraine. You know, and put their lives on the line. And what's the significance of that? Well, they're—I mean, first of all, they're well known. It's not like they could be anywhere, right? I mean, they got yeah. millions of dollars; they could go anywhere. They're not uh, escaping um, or or fleeing. They are, you know, defending their country. Uh, so, uh, just some stories like that that tie in the sports world with everything going on with Ukraine and Russia right now. Um, It's—I uh, I think fascinating is the wrong world. It's—it's it's real, very real. Yeah. So no, absolutely.
We'll keep an eye uh, keep an eye on that and what the other impacts are. And I think you did just bring up a good point, and one that I kind of forget about a little bit is what about the Ukrainian impact? Uh, like that have um, anybody with Ukrainian background or family that have migrated to the United States in a variety of sports or other things? So we just had a Ukrainian family move into our neighborhood. Haven't even met them yet. I'm talking like in the last few weeks wow. and so i really don't know their story but it's very interesting because i saw it on their, their front of their car uh ukraine and my and my wife said yeah they're from um, ukraine but i don't know if they've been in the states a while or not but point being is i think there's going to be a lot of that domino effect in the world of sports as well uh that maybe now are at colleges in the united states right or playing professional sports in the united states uh, or here in North America. So it'll be an interesting part of the the story and uh, eventually the history of what happens. Um, and I think we are very, unfortunately, early in the stages of uh, what's going on in Ukraine right now uh, with Russia as well. All right, uh, that's pretty heavy stuff uh, here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. But I, I did think uh, worth mentioning a little bit and... Uh, course th thoughts with everybody um if you have anyone close involved there uh we will take a break we get back to some sports talk in terms of balls and bats and well scoreboards all right and back to the combine in this sense three things that you think could be significant at the combine not three players Three things. It could be a player, by the way. Could be but three things that could be significant that really kind of set things in motion as we head into the league year. Really think this is a huge couple weeks for the Jacksonville Jaguars, finding out which direction they go with everything. Uh, so we get that when we come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. If you're just jumping in, here's the good news of the day. The Fletcher Senators girls soccer team wins the state championship one to nothing. Congratulations to them. First ever Duval County state championship in soccer. We'll be right back. I think Baker is under the most pressure of anybody in the league. Baker needs a Joe Flacco type of year. He needs to run the table and win a Super Bowl. Anything short of that, he's not going to get the public to buy in on him, and he's definitely not going to get the people in the front, end, uh, front office to buy into him being the quarterback past 2022. But we got to realize Baker is also a guy that always performs his best when his back is against the wall and no one believes in him. But if he doesn't run the table and win a Super Bowl, I think we might have seen the last of Baker Mayfield in Cleveland after this next season. Oh, I think you're going with new guys here on the sound bites and the analysis. And I'm going to go, you had Robert Griffin III the other day. Would that be him? That would be him. Ah, look at that. Look at you. Look at that. Uh, Robert Griffin III. Baker Mayfield, very interesting topic, right? What do Cleveland Browns do? Yeah. New Baker guy or no? I was in college, not anymore. I like that. I guess I liked the attitude when he was good, but now that he's not so good, I don't love the attitude anymore. Uh, yeah, the attitude is always rubbed. He's he he kind of rubs me the wrong way. But I will say this: I think Baker gets a raw deal sometimes. I don't now. I think his defenders at times have been over the top in defending him. And so I think he brings some of it on himself. I think there are some reasons not to be all in on Baker Mayfield. But I'm just not sure I'm ready to write him off either. And I think he really battled a lot of injuries. If, if you, if you kind of separate some of the noise last year, I think some of the stuff that he did, if you read in between the lines, was pretty, I don't want to go heroic, but uh, pretty admirable. 
of what he did just to even play last year for them. So if he can bounce back, I, I wonder if you could put him in the conversation of a guy like Derek Carr, now that you've seen Derek Carr do it and kind of take another step and grow. Could you put Baker Mayfield potentially into that group? Yeah, I think that. I mean, we're still going to have to see that, obviously. But the main thing I think about when I think about Derek Carr is I don't even necessarily think about the football, which is dumb, but I'm going to explain myself. I think of that he's a leader and he makes his team better and people want to follow him. When I think of Baker Mayfield, I don't think that because he didn't make Odell Beckham Jr. better. He didn't make Jarvis Landry better. And those guys are pretty bona fide receivers. So I'm not saying that he's not a good leader, but I'm saying Derek Carr, I can obviously see he's a, a leader and he's making guys like Zay Jones better. So that's that's where I go with that. But I guess Baker still has a chance to prove that, and he's going to need to because otherwise it's looking pretty grim for him right now in Cleveland. Yeah, and, and there, it looks like they're going to wait it out either way. But I, I do remember. You, I don't know if you would have said those things last year, not this past year, but the year prior about um, about Derek Carr. That's you think so? I think I don't think I would have been as hard on it. Like I think you you could still tell that Derek Carr was a leader because he still had the same sound bites. But I think this year magnified it due to everything that happened with them, and he was getting interviewed, and his interviews were being played nationally. It seemed like every week there for a while because of everything that was happening with John Gruden and Henry Ruggs. So I think it just got magnified. But if you go back and listen to his sound bites from previous years, he was still that guy. It just I don't think nationally we knew it. Yeah, uh, that's a good call. I, I do think we have a couple of signs. By the way, Derek Carr, to your point, Derek Carr, I think, is a different guy than Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is more of that brash, pissy guy, right? And that's good sometimes. But it also, from that position, you can question it. Uh, especially, you know, did he do too many on the com- things on the commercial front before being good enough? Like, those things kind of matter sometimes, believe it or not, inside a locker room. I don't know how much they matter, but they matter a little bit. Carr is, is always has his guys back. He He's supposed to be like salt-of-the-earth guy. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it makes it easier, maybe even for players, but fans and, and people to rally around a guy like Carr and root for him than it does for Baker Mayfield. And therefore, I think you get a lot of noise with Mayfield, right? I think there's a lot of people that want to see him fail. I I agree with that. And then also, I think to that point, like when you look at Baker Mayfield, the first overall pick, Derek Carr was a second round pick. So I I think you could make the case of like, well, look at Derek Carr. Like he worked and he built this. He wasn't a guarantee. And then when you look at Baker Mayfield, it's like, what do you mean this is as good as he is as a first overall pick? Yeah. Um, Interesting. Baker Mayfield's an interesting character in the uh, QB carousel of the NFL. All right. Top three things at the Combine. Welcome back, everybody. Creekside High School. I'm at, uh, you know, I'm going to be here most of the night. Uh, my kids are playing some ball, but the Creekside Knights soccer team is getting set to kick off in the state championship game, girls' side, at 4 o'clock. Uh, heck, they might be done and back here celebrating if they win uh, before even the final pitch here at the games that I'm going to be at. And, uh, by the way, once again, if you just join us, I'm going to keep reminding you, Fletcher High School girls win a state championship, one to nothing over Lords. We are expected to have Coach Bradley Plummer join the show at some point. So congrats again to Fletcher girls soccer state champs. They joined St. John's Country Day in 2022 getting the hardware we're going to the combine next week for just a couple of days uh combine we've talked about all right is it great yeah, well it's, it is what it is um we've shared plenty of thoughts on that but most importantly you're gonna have a few hundred potential draft process prospects including some of the top tier guys there and what is what are the three things you're looking for what are the three things we're watching at the nfl combine 
in 2022. The Jags have the number one overall pick, and it's not a lock like last year on who they're going to take. Like, Trevor Lawrence could have not even shown up in Indianapolis, and it wouldn't have mattered, right? Correct. So uh, this is a lot different. I think the Jags are gaining a lot of intel here. I think the Jags uh, could actually know who they really, really want and slide them to the top of their board by the end of the week. I think there's an opportunity for that to even fluctuate and change throughout the week. I think it's a big week for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, I will highlight medicals and interviews as being the main part of it, but some of the test scores could certainly play a role as well. Kick us off, Casey. Give us three things or one thing that you're looking for at the uh, Combine coming up this week. I give you one, week. I'll give you one, and I guess we'll go that route. Uh, the first thing that I'm looking for is I think Kenny Pickett is going to be good. Now, granted, I will start with saying Kenny Pickett made me a lot of money this year betting, so I do have some love for Kenny Pickett, but I like his game. So... Like I said, over under 11 minutes. I'll give it all 11 minutes that I'm going to watch, but most of that time is going to be spent watching Kenny Pickett throw the football. I want to see how he does, and I want to see the reaction to how he does. And what's the domino effect of that reaction? Because I agree with you, that could be a big story, right? Like, where does he go on the board, or is it Malik Willis who surpasses him? And in some mock drafts, has already surpassed him, but it's a mock draft. So we don't know where he's going to get taken. We do think Kenny Pickett might be the more conservative route for a team to take uh, in the first round at quarterback. Yeah, and I think to that point, I'll give you my second one because it is Malik Willis. And I'm not 100% interested in watching Malik Willis throw the football, but I am interested to only see the reaction behind it because we've seen this in the draft before. Guys get pushed up. Malik Willis fits a guy that is going to get pushed up. He plays his game like Kyler Murray and like Lamar Jackson. That's appealing. So I, I will watch him, but I'm more interested in the reaction to Malik Willis and see how high he gets pushed up or if it's a horrible performance, does Kenny Pickett take a wide leap as the number one quarterback in the draft? Yeah, and by the way, an extraordinary impressive showing behind closed doors or in front of all the cameras for Pickett or Malik Willis shoves somebody into the potentially the top ten. There are quarterback-needy teams in the top ten that would take that chance, uh, potentially, or you get the trade-up scenario with a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers or somebody like that. Uh, Malik Willis, to me, you know, with his athleticism, you think Kyler Murray, right? Yes. Is that a good thing or a bad thing right now? That's a good call. I think strictly on the football field, I think it's a good thing because Kyler Murray can do a lot for you in terms of the mobile and the arm strength, even for being a small guy. The question will come, is Malik Willis... There's been Kyler Murray's been called immature in this last couple of weeks, and I'm not going to do that because I don't know Kyler Murray, but I think the big part of vetting that part out will be behind closed doors, like you said, talking to Malik Willis and trying to figure out the kind of guy he is and the kind of leader he can be. That's the part you might want to separate from Kyler Murray, but if he passes that back, that part of it, and then goes out on the field and plays like him, I think you take that all day. All right, here's one thing that I'm looking for, okay? I think I think Thibodeau has a, a chance to really play with everybody's psyche in this draft, and this is the week to find out. Again, some things I'm not sure we'll see will be privy to but keep an eye on the information that comes out after this week or next week and then you'll start to hear rumblings okay or maybe people are starting to send smoke that way like okay you really listen this guy wants to be great right uh, there are questions about that this guy is freaky what is he going to do at six foot five 260 pounds what's he going to run what's he going to bench what's he going to do that opens the eyes and has everybody talking like listen i cannot risk 
passing up on that. Like, that might be a generational pass rush guy. And so can he become that kind of story? Because I don't think Hutchinson becomes that kind of story. I agree. And so I think we know what Hutchinson is, and I think that's not a bad thing, by the way. But I think there are teams that probably know that his ceiling is, you know, in a category. I'm not sure people know exactly where the ceiling of Thibodeau is, nor the floor. And so I think he becomes a very intriguing player where I've seen him mocked anywhere from the Jacksonville Jaguars, although less and less people are mocking a defensive end to the Jags, which I still don't understand. Uh, uh, but I've already seen Thibodeau all the way down to, like, number eight. Yeah, it's crazy. And I wonder where we see some of these mocks go based on results, rumblings, and other things because it's a very interesting piece for the Jacksonville Jaguars. One, do they want Thibodeau? Two, do they not want Thibodeau and therefore maybe want Hutchinson? And three, if Thibodeau becomes this coveted guy coming out of Indianapolis, do the Jags actually have an opportunity to move out of number one? Because, quite frankly, I don't think they do. I don't think they do with the quarterback stuff. There's not enough there. I don't think people have to jump into the two-hole. You could make the case Detroit would go for one, but you, you, I don't think they have to. Uh, and I think the only guy that would pull some intrigue on that is if somebody thinks Thibodeau is – the next whatever, Von Miller, whoever else, and wants to jump from like four to one or three to one or five to one. Uh, and by the way, I think the odds of that happening are very slim, very, very slim. But I think it's if you just look at Thibodeau himself, I think there are three uh, things to keep an eye on. That could be a domino effect. All right, another one for me. Where are the receivers jumping out at? Yep. How deep is the receiver class? Can the Jags get a receiver at number 33? And can they get a good one? Or do they have to move back into the first round potentially? And would they be willing to do that to go score a big-time threat? Not just a, we think this guy can be really good, but one that's like, this guy is going to be good. And you've been able to find those kind of guys in the first round. Sure, you get a little fortunate in the second round too, but you've been able to find the Justin Jeffersons at 22 in the draft. Is there that guy that, that lives down in the 22, 24, 27 range for the Jacksonville Jaguars to be able to maybe go back in and get or get fortunate enough there's enough depth in the draft or at the position that he slips to number 33? All eyes on the wide receiver should be, right? Yeah, absolutely. I That was my third one as well. I'm obviously, I want to, I'm unconfirmed if Drake London, how much he's going to participate, because you know that's my guy coming out of USC. He will not be there at pick 33, but I just want to see how he looks if he is. But to play off of that, I want to see guys like Justin Ross, uh, Pickens as well, guys that will be available at 33, because the big name wide receivers, you imagine, unless you're somehow trading out of the number one pick, you're probably off the board for those. But I want to see the depth at the position, and if Drake London's out there, I might have to go over my 11 minutes of watch time because that guy's incredible. <laughs> you like him a lot. A lot of people like Traylon Burks, right? Yeah. Um, and, and figure he's now going to go into the top 10. And what we don't know are players like Jamison Williams. Yeah. Because we're not going to see him. No, we won't. And so what kind of, again, I say there's a, there's a right in front of us on TV uh, and, and what we see and hear that we can kind of factor in and look for next week. But then there's this behind the doors kind of thing that we really don't, we're not privy to. Well, what are they saying behind the doors about Jamison Williams? Keep an eye on that name and where he goes up and down the board after next week uh, based on what people are saying, the rumblings they're hearing, all those uh, those 
those kind of things. Uh, the last thing for me, and I, you've, you've given us the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. We both agree on the wide receivers in terms of the depth of it especially. And I got Thibodeau near the top of my list. I don't really have my eyes on the offensive lineman, even though I know that could be where the Jaguars end up going. I actually have my eyes on players like Kyle Hamilton, N'Kobe Dean, those kind of guys. Could they get themselves into a top pick discussion? Now, Dean probably not, right? But can a guy like Kyle Hamilton, who I have seen go up the board mm-hmm. in mock drafts, again, these are mock drafts, and you got to remember how mock drafts work. When the national guys and the big analysts do it, they know they're pacing themselves, you know, to help get their coverage, and they're not making their final decision. No, that's why they change. <laughs> so I, I don't know where Kyle Hamilton fits. For my money, Kyle Hamilton might be the best player in the draft. I don't think you're far off. But he's a safety, and you don't pick a safety number one. No, you don't. Like by rule. Yeah. Which I think, I think the logic in that I get, but I also sense it's stupid. For a team that doesn't have blue chippers, why aren't you trying to get the best guy in the draft? (laughs) I don't disagree. You you have the ability to get the best guy in the draft. Now listen, that happens in the NBA and other sports too, where you need a center or you need a guard or you already have this piece or that piece and you're crowded there or you need this piece more. Value comes into play. I understand it. But my point is, let's see what Hamilton does. Let's see what the Deans do of the world. Let's see what – I'll tell you a great need for the Jags. Defensive tackle, does anybody jump in there? Those are safe picks, by the way. You know, Kyle Hamilton would be a kind of risky. He'd be like, what are you guys doing? It's safety, right? I don't think that's going to happen. But a defensive tackle, could could a an emerging defensive tackle – I mean, early on, we're all over Jordan Davis. Remember last year? Could so- somebody like that – sneak into the Jags' mindset early in this draft because that's a big position to need, and it's a very safe position. If you don't want to swing and miss on a draft pick, defensive tackle is usually a pretty good area to go. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. On the YouTube, by the way, uh, Diesel says Kyle Hamilton going top five. I agree with that. I think somebody will, at four or five, make that decision because he might be the best player in the draft. And then another one, I've seen this name a lot, Brent. I don't know if you have Devin Lloyd. I believe the linebacker from Utah. Uh, People really like him, and that might be an interesting guy to keep your eye on as well. Yeah, and what about Sauce? Of course, it doesn't look like the Jags need a uh, corner, so yeah. uh, get out of Cincinnati. All right, let's take a break. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hope to catch up with the Fletcher girls coach in just a couple of minutes. Again, they are state champs. We'll be back. We are live at Creekside High School down in St. John's County. Creekside playing for a state championship in girls soccer down in the land. They kick off in about 15 minutes. We'll be right back. I would say probably two to three first-round picks, and the team I'm focusing on is Denver. Denver has Nathaniel Hackett, his former OC, now their head coach. Based on what Matt Stafford did last year, going from the Lions to the Rams, he went for two first-round picks. I'm going to ask for three because Aaron Rodgers is the reigning MVP. Again, I'm going to recruit, beg, cajole, whatever I can do to keep Aaron Rodgers. But if that doesn't work out, I would then try to get three first-round picks. That's Mike Tannenbaum right there. I will say this. Tannenbaum kind of just, boom. He knows exactly what he wants when he says this stuff, right? Three first-round. He doesn't sugarcoat it. Yeah. Uh, same thing where he said about the Jags, right? I'd go all in on Devontae Adams. Uh, be interesting to see. But Green Bay is kind of like the pivotal piece of the NFL right now, aren't they? Yeah. Between Rodgers and Devontae? Yeah. I'm sure they're not fans of Tannenbaum, by the way. He's traded away their whole team. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, yeah, probably right. They, uh, I, I don't know if we've had a situation where a team has kind of held the league hostage. 
Yeah, especially at the, at, with the best, with the most marquee position, and then maybe the best wish receiver in the whole game. So yeah, it's interesting. And if you think about it, they have they're still in a lot of salary cap trouble, so they might even have to release another high-level player for them that they've talked about on the defensive side of the ball. So there might even be three big-name players coming from Green Bay to make a team better, multiple teams better. Yeah. Um, it, it'll be interesting to keep an eye. I'm trying to think, like, well, Tom Brady kept the league hostage a little bit. I mean, you have players like, you know, potentially you could have Russell Wilson involved. But, yeah, two more key pieces like that. Uh, hard to find. Man, we have seen almost that. We could have so much movement. We could have big time players. I mean, even the Amari Cooper fun trade scenario stuff. Like, it's feasible to happen. So yeah. it's pretty wild when we get those kind of things. Hey, a uh, quick little segment here uh, back at uh, Creekside High School. Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, Austin Lane, by the way, will join us in the 5 o'clock hour. He's in Dallas for a big fight coming up. Congrats to Fletcher High School. They are state champs. Hope to catch up with uh, Coach Plummer uh, as they make their way back to Jacksonville from the land in just a little bit. You brought this up a couple of days ago. We're finally just getting to it. I'm a big LeBron James fan, by the way. I think LeBron has done it right. I think he's been very good. I have a deep appreciation for people who can live up to the hype because I think that's a very hard thing to do. I think you look at Ken Griffey Jr. and Tiger Woods. They're two of the uh, Mount Rushmore guys like that for me. I think, um, And I think LeBron is right there with him. I mean, you, you can at the very least make the case that he's the second best player to ever live. And people have been pegging him to be a stud since he was 12, 13, 14 years old. And so he's lived up to it. So there's a lot that I like about, uh, about LeBron James. I know he's really kind of got himself into the political stuff and, and uh, social aspect a little bit more than maybe some other athletes. And, by the way, there's been a lot of people, athletes like Tiger Woods that the media and others asked to do that. Uh, LeBron's been willing to do that, and so therefore it becomes more polarizing. But this topic is, how bad of a GM is he? Yeah. And you guys have really been on this. Uh, you know, I think LeBron's swinging and missing in L.A., right? And that, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. The Russell Westbrook thing didn't work. He also mission accomplished, and I know people don't want to count that, but he did win at least the championship with him and Anthony Davis. But uh, you can't deny that what they've put together now is not very good. And so if you look back on the Cleveland days, I think less Miami, but more Cleveland – is he really not that good at it, even though he kind of changed the league and became the player GM of the NBA? Yeah, and I think that's exactly what I want to look at in, in terms of what might happen with the Lakers. But when you look at Cleveland, so after he leaves the first time, uh, the next year was 2010-2011, Cleveland won 19 basketball games. Set him back so far, okay? So he might not have been GM at that point, but still, to your point, we move on. When he left Miami, they only won 37 games the next year. Set them back. They're now in a good situation, but when you mortgage everything you have to get guys like him and Chris Bosh, it, it, it takes a toll. And then most recently, when he left Cleveland again, yes, he got him a title. In 2018-2019, they once again won 19 games. And they're now once again good. But 2018 was a long time ago. So when you see LeBron become your GM, you better hope you win because you know once he leaves, the four years after or so are going to be absolutely horrible. Well, what's the lesson to be learned here in that? Because I think there is some, that's a, some pretty good evidence. And, and Cleveland's success is amazing to me. They've come out of nowhere, in my opinion, yeah. uh, to do what they're doing. So congratulations to them without LeBron James. But a lot of these players will eventually go into executive roles, from Larry Bird to Magic Johnson to Michael Jordan, who owns the team. Is LeBron James going to do that, and should he avoid it? Yeah, I think 
I think you might be able to look at it a little differently when you're not playing, right? So I think when he doesn't have to make himself better as fine teammates that fit with his game, he might be better at it. But as it current, I don't think that will deter him uh, to your point. But as you currently look at it with the Lakers, looking at what they have now, you realize that whenever he does choose to leave, which has been talked about now, the Lakers are going to be in trouble. But to your point, I don't think it will deter, and I don't think it should deter people from hiring him because I think he will be able to look at it differently when he's not on the floor. But, you know, there is some risk there. Yeah, and by the way, the NFL, we see a little bit of that with Lynch and Elway, and, and who knows, maybe maybe elsewhere around the NFL. Um, it, but, heck, there's an EVP job here. Maybe we get a former player or whatever. But the uh, in the NBA, it's it's been a thing. Like, that's a popular thing. Yeah. Going all the way back from Jerry West to most recently Danny Ainge, you know. I mean, and guys have had success doing it. So it is, it'll be interesting to see if LeBron's too big for that or eventually does that. Magic Johnson wasn't too big for it. Let me ask you this real quick before we go to break. So Cleveland in that scenario, they won the one title. They then went 19 wins, 19 wins, 23 wins, and they're now okay. Well, they're good. Is one championship worth four or five horrible years after it? Especially in Cleveland? For the first one, like, in 50 years or something? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Uh, but that is a good question. I might ask it in the commercial break, and we'll, we'll, we'll dig a little deeper, like, as it pertains to the Jacks on that front. All right. Meanwhile, the Jacksonville Iceman are trying to get a championship in the ECHL. Lizard King night coming up this weekend. More on that, how you can maybe get a jersey. We'll show them off a little bit. Alex Reed scheduled to join us as the Iceman on the ice are on fire have won six in a row. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.